the DH I didn't realize is being implemented basically on every single level with the exception being AAA and the National League. So are you in favor of having the DH across all leagues of baseball right now? Yeah, and, and look, I didn't have really an opinion back in the 70s when the DH came into the American League. Um, but since that's happened, uh, you know, slowly the leagues have just kind of started to, to do their own thing with their DHs. I said Japan plays DH, Korea plays DH. AAA has the option when two National League clubs play each other to use the DH. Um, or have their pitchers hit, and a lot of times they use the DH. Double A is DH, A ball is DH, rookie ball is DH, college is DH, high school is DH. So if we're really looking for offense in the game, is it really fair to have a National League pitcher come up and get their first professional at bat since he was about 14 years old at the big league level? And it just doesn't make sense to me that we have rules that are that different be like the AFC team playing the NFC team and the AFC team had to use his punter to kick field goals and the NFC team could use his field goal kicker. Um, it, it's time that we get, you know, every rule in play. The other thing is you can watch spring training games right now and the Rockies are playing the Cubs. And I don't know this for a fact, but I'll bet both teams are DHing people. So even during these spring training games, when two National League clubs play, the pitchers still aren't getting it back. And I guess to play devil's advocate, what would you say if someone countered and said, look what Bartolo Colon did when he hit that home run a couple of years ago and the stadium exploded? Why would we want to take away those moments? Okay, because that moment was one in a – you might as well win the lottery along with Bartolo Colon going deep. Now, there are some pitchers that can hit. You know, Bumgarner's fun to watch. I'm not taking anything away from those guys. But if there's a pitcher that can truly hit – there's no reason why you can't say he can still hit um, if he wants to. So the, the the option that you have is there, but it just doesn't make sense to me to have two sets of rules with two legs. It just doesn't it doesn't work for me. And for the record, I'm totally 100% with you. And I think after listening to you in a prior interview you did on SiriusXM Fantasy, I might be on board as well with being against robot umpires, and I heard you talk about improving the umpires that we've got already. I think there are some umpires that are good at calling ball strikes because I do believe we have technology to be able to grade them. Um, I don't know what we do with the graded information because umpires, to my knowledge, are like Supreme Court justices. They can have a very bad year, and they're in the big leagues again the next year. I don't think players can necessarily claim that, especially the young players. So if we have good ball strike umpires, let's find more of them, let them hone their craft, and let them only be ball strike umpires. The top five names on the list that I had, uh, I believe in the 2018 year as I did the study on it, the top five names for calling ball strikes percentage-wise, I didn't recognize any of their names. The bottom five, I knew every one of them. And that's a little bit of a problem when you know their name because, number one, they miss pitches, and number two, they throw out the players um, as soon as the player starts arguing with them about missing pitches. So that's a double whammy uh, right there. And if we can get guys that are around 93 94 95%, I think I can live with that as far as an adjustment goes and – I still don't think that the triangulated strike zone is 100% accurate anyway. So if we're not going to be 100% accurate with the robo, then let's just use humans, but let's use the better humans 
The other umpires that are not so good, they stay on the bases and they get paid lower. And the guys who call ball strikes for a living, they get paid more. I used to produce that Fantastics show on SiriusXM Fantasy a couple of years ago. That's why I've been mentioning it. We also had Leo Mazzoni on a couple of times, and something you wrote was something he used to preach, conditioning pitchers to pitch as opposed to throwing the ball through the backstop, and you kind of tied that in with the old-school thinking of keeping these pitchers down in the minors for a longer stint than some of them seem to be staying down there now these days. Is that right? Here's the deal. is It's tough to do that simply because they're so talented and they do some things pretty incredible. But some of these new metrics that we're starting to look at um, wholeheartedly, um, I said some of us are starting to look at because I am not, you know, the miles per hour is just not there anymore. It's, it's the spin rate with it and it's how the ball spins on its axis. Well, that's all fine and good. But if you throw ball one and ball two in the first two pitches, I could care less what your spin rate is or how your ball is spinning on axis. The separators always has been and always will be moving forward, who can throw strike one? And not only who can throw strike one, who can throw a quality pitch strike one where it doesn't get hit. So all the measurements that we have and all these guys are just geared up to throw it a billion and have the ball spin as much as they can, there's something to be said for taking a little bit off to make a quality pitch because location, to me, is still the one that uh, should be viewed as a, as a much bigger asset than some of the other stuff of, of velocity or spin rate. I want to talk about something that is new school, and that's the World Baseball Classic. You were part of that a few years ago. It's going to be returning next year. I think it's a wonderful tournament. It gets a baseball fan engaged earlier in the season. And I remember going out with my buddies here in D.C., watching, feeling a sense of patriotism and pride watching that U.S. team. But we've also heard the criticisms that it could be draining to players and taxing so early in the season. Do you agree with that? You know, these guys are in, supposedly in peak shape. Um, it was it was disappointing to me over the years to see so many pitchers not go out there and pitch. And then so many of our, shall we say, best players. Um, you know, if I'm saying us, I'm saying the United States. Let, uh, the last go-round... I thought it was awesome that the United States finally claimed victory, and maybe, just maybe, that might spur some of, uh, shall we say, the Trouts or the Harpers to line up and get out there and play. Um, It seems that every other country's top pitchers all sign up to play, and it doesn't seem like ours does. Um, So I think it's a great event. I enjoyed being a part of that in 2009. Uh, we did uh, advance to the Final Four and went out to L.A. and got beat by Japan uh, the first uh, game out there. But I thought it was really cool, and I, too, felt uh, pretty good about having a USA jersey on uh, with some of those players that were on our team. Let's talk some Orioles. What do you think about Chris Davis putting on 25 pounds this offseason? One thing I, I talk about with hitters is everybody's a complete individual. And it seemed my brother was a complete individual in any different year from the year before with his different stances and things like that. You know what? He he struggled mightily for the past couple of seasons. And if he feels better about it and he feels stronger and he went out there and got after it in the weight room and he's coming in, um, by all means, because that might be something that just kind of 
you know, gets him mentally locked in first. And if you start out in spring training well, after you're mentally feeling good, that might have a way to carry on. If it's the same old stuff going, then you could probably say, okay, not necessarily the best idea. But it's a completely individual thing. And he obviously wanted to try something a little bit different because the past few years have not gone well for him. So the Orioles have this regime now, year two, with Brandon Hyde and Mike Elias. Do you think they're on the right track in the next year, two, three, where I'm not saying they're going to be on the level of the Yankees, but they can be like the Tampa Bay Rays and get in as a wild card team and maybe potentially do some damage in the fall? Well, I don't foresee that in the next few years um, because losing 100-plus in the way they have over the past few years, that just doesn't seem like that's going to jump in there. The the key thing for the Orioles, it's not any different than – any of the other teams um, that have gone to World Series since the wild card era started in 90-something, um, they can't miss on their draft picks. They went and got Rushman 1-1 overall last year. I heard really good things about him. If he's two or three years away from the big leagues, how do you keep drafting people? Because if they lost 100 games last year, I don't think they have the one overall pick this year. I think it was the Tigers. But, okay, two's pretty good player. So when you decide to make that pick, and you better hit on them. And I think that's just the key moving forward is how can you draft, how can you develop, because when you are ready, and let's say four years' time, if you can push that 81-81 mark, and then all of a sudden you make a key acquisition here as a free agent, a key trade here, 81 could turn into 87 or 88 pretty quick, and then you're at least in the conversation for that. But the key for the Orioles is going to be don't miss your draft picks. you got them coming up. You're going to have high picks, and they've got to be in the big leagues for you in a few years, and they've got to be what you can build around. Now, Billy, I wanted to ask you about the Houston Astros, but I feel like we're constantly talking about them in the media, and you've mentioned in that interview on SiriusXM that time will heal the game of baseball, and I really hope that. Anything else that I'm missing in your book, State of Play, something you really wanted to stress if we do all want to move the game forward? Well, I just think, one, I don't lose sight of the old school guy. Um, I don't think the old school guy didn't use numbers and information because we always did. And, you know, moving forward, if you if you watch in the game and you hear a term and you keep hearing that term, um, it's probably going to be somewhere in my book kind of explaining it. The things that I have sort of dismissed on that I don't like, like defensive run saved or war, W-A-R, guess what? I use numbers and information to dismiss those things. So I didn't put this book together to be this old curmudgeon and just say, you know, sabermetrics and analytics, it's dumb. We want information. I want information. But I've got to have information that's actually – uh, uh, applicable to the game and some of this stuff just isn't and people standing on soapboxes saying it is doesn't make it make it true so just kind of watch the game listen to the game and if you've got something going on and you have the book hopefully the book will kind of shed a little light on it 